Army veteran and reservist Drew Haney is a visionary entrepreneur and the driving force behind several pioneering companies in the vacant land realm, notably Land of the Free and Rooster Capital. With a robust background in the military, Drew deftly combines his strategic prowess and entrepreneurial spirit to lead groundbreaking initiatives in the land development sphere. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Take on this holiday season with the help of Navy Federal Credit Union and the Navy Federal Cash Rewards Card. Get cheer to last all year. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. All right, we're talking with Army uh, active duty veteran and currently reserve officer Drew Haney. Been on the show once before. Drew, glad to have you back. Drew also spends most of his spare time in entrepreneurial pursuits, been involved in a number of different businesses over the last few years. So we got a number of things to talk about. So Drew, just as a reminder, I know you've been, been here before, but uh, take us back and give us uh, a little bit of background on what you've done in the Army. Yeah. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Um, spent most of my 20s active duty. Army officer, I started out at Fort Bragg, jumping out of airplanes as a logistics officer, then went to the career course, then spent a year in Korea and got out from there. I took two years off and then joined the reserves as mid to late uh, captain, did company command in the reserve. And now I am a major kind of in between units and um, we'll see what's next. I'm always, I'm always ready for the next thing. I do want to make a comment, a plug for the military. I, I think a lot of your listeners listening to this are probably ready to get out or they just got out. And I remember where I was at during that season. And I remember being very frustrated because I felt like the army officer system didn't teach me any useful technical skills. And that's kind of true. But what it did teach me is leadership skills, which I'm now reaping the benefits of now because what other organization at 22 years old puts you in charge of 40 people? Right. Right. So I just, I'm really grateful for what the army has done for me. Took me about 10 years to realize it. I'm now mid thirties and I'm so thankful for all of the cold nights in ROTC, all of the cold nights as Lieutenant um, really just learning how to, how to lead people. And, um, it, it saves me a lot of money now because as an entrepreneur money, uh, making mistakes cost money. So glad to be here, Joe. Absolutely. I feel like almost starting to feel like I'm a broken record because we talk about hard skills and soft skills all the time on the show. And just recently, instead of calling them soft skills, which is a very good term, by the way, the new term I heard recently on, a, on another interview was durable skills. And those are the things, those are those intangible things that are hard to put on a resume. Those, those soft skills, those durable skills, leadership, being able to motivate people when they're cold, wet, tired, and hungry. Uh, like you mentioned, those, some of those cold nights. And a lot of veterans and a lot of companies out there don't realize the value of those durable soft skills until you get after you've been hired and after you put things into play and start making things happen. Um, and sometimes I think it takes a lot of veterans a couple of years out in the civilian workplace 
to realize the value of their skills. They're like, well, right. I really can meet exactly. people. I, I, I do have a lot of experience with people and um, I can get things done. And I might not have those, tech, depending on what your MOS was, you may not have the technical skills that relate to the company you're working for. But the good companies realize the, the power of those durable skills. Those are really the things that take you uh, to the top. Uh, the technical skills are great, but with technical skills, you're working in you're working in your business or you're working in a certain role. You're not leading people. You're not working on the business. It's the durable skills that take you to the higher level. That basically all those things are wrapped up into leadership, which is you know something the military does best. So, well, let me say this, Joe. I haven't met a single person who has hit a glass ceiling because they couldn't learn a technical skill. Yeah, but I have met a lot of people who have hit glass ceilings because they have leadership flaws and they don't even know it. And what, I mean, I, I believe it in the Marines, it's the same, but absolutely. whenever you go to an army school, they make you peer review all of your peers, right? They, you, you have to rank all your peers. It's, it's brutally honest and it's very painful. In my early ROTC days, I was often ranked bottom 25%, which means yeah. I was not well-liked. I did some books, uh, worked on myself for a few years. And then anytime I went to an army school, I was often top 25% because I worked on myself. What other civilian is going to get to do that? Oh, those are probably all the things that in in today's corporate world, you're not even allowed to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, Um, You might hurt somebody's feelings. How would it be for a corporate, corporate entity to have their, their leaders rank each other? Yeah. That nobody does that. We called them spear evals because it felt like you're getting speared in the back, you know, by your, by your, by your peers. And right. it's, it is brutal. It is a brutally honest exercise to go through. Yeah. And, but I tell you, it really points out some of the, some of your, the blind spots you have with yourself. You're like, right. I didn't realize and you're around highly competitive people and it makes you grow up really quick. Like you're like, I'm lacking in these three areas, but I see these other people that are really good at that. And you, right. you, you try to, you either have a choice, you try to improve on yourself or, or you fail. Um, you're going to be, weak you know, my, my flaws. I, so my problem, I was, I was very smart. I, I knew all the, I knew all the answers, but I didn't realize that you have to put other people first. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I would notice yeah. these guys who are, who are ranked in the top 25%. I, I would think to myself, these guys are kind of, they're kind of like knuckle dragging idiots. And why, why are they perceived as better than me? Right. And I realize it's, it's cause they put others first. Yeah. And that's all, that's what leadership is. That's well, that's what part of it is. There's a lot of other things about it. And, and sometimes the guys that are really good at that, they don't have all the answers. Most, most of the time they don't have the answers, but they know if they put their people first, the pe- their people are going to be the ones that have the answers. And ultimately that's what drives an organization. And that's what leadership's all about. It's not about how smart you are, not about being the smartest guy in the room. It's not about having right. all the answers. It's lifting everybody up around you. And there are some people that seem to be naturally really good at it. But I, I think the truth of the matter is it probably depends on you know, how they grew up, the, ki- the kind of family they grew up in maybe things they were involved in when they were growing up, whether it be sports or jobs, or they probably had leadership positions at a, at a young age doing various things that made them mature in that way. 
Right. Let's admit it. Like, even if you played sports, even if you were team captain on on your sports team, through high school, through college, most of us haven't ever had other people work for us. We we haven't led people in any type right. of a important type scenario. So you can get out of high school, get out of college and not really have a, a true right. leadership position and understand what I, I remember or my early days of the Marine Corps was um, like one of the, one of the leadership responsibilities we talk about is you're responsible for everything your people do or fail to do. And when you're held accountable for, for people that work for you failing to do something, I mean, it's your fault that they didn't do it. Right. Right. That's a very maturing experience really quick. Most people don't, a lot of people don't ever experience that in their whole life, let alone at a young age. Right. So I do want to encourage your listeners. If any of you out there are still in the military and you're going to, to a, a school, volunteer for all of those optional positions. So platoon leader, S3, whatever school you're going to, you know how they ask for volunteers. Volunteer for it. It will be more work, but you're also start to see it as free tuition to a leadership academy. And you're going to save a ton of money because if you don't do it now, you're going to need to pay to do it later. Or you're going to lose employees in your business and you're not going to know why. And it's going to be costly to hire new ones. You might go through three employees and, until you realize you're the problem, right? So yeah. do it for free on the government's dime now. Yeah, I've noticed um, like some of my family members or friends have noticed like, try to think of a specific example, like there's somebody somebody coming over to the house to work on my house or something like to fix something. And like my son will be like, you know, you got along with that. You got along with that plumber really good. Like, like he's just here to fix the toilet, but you really talked with him and opened up with him. And, and, and I'm like, well, I, I, I kind of learned that in the Marine Corps, you know, like if you're, even though you it's may have practice. Rank, yeah. Even though you may have rank, let's say you have to be able to connect with people at any level, whether they're way senior to you or way junior to you. You, you have to be a, a normal, real person to them either way right. and, and be able to communicate at, at, at whatever level they're at or whatever level you're at. And, and that's how you gain their respect. And, and he's like, yeah, but you know, you hired this guy. So he has to do, he has to fix it for you. I'm like, yeah, but I would much rather him be happy about fixing my toilet than me. Right. Be, and, and you see a lot of other homeowners, like a, we moved into a new neighborhood recently. I see a lot of homeowners just, they're just pouncing on, on the worker bees, you know, these guys that are fixing their stuff. And it's like, dude, these are still people, you know, you got to still communicate with them. And he's going to fix my toilet better because he likes me and I'm getting along with him. And I I truly am interested in who he is and what he's doing. Whereas some of these people, I hired him, therefore I own them. They have that kind of mentality. And and you see leaders in the military that have that attitude also like I'm in charge. Everybody needs to do what I tell them to do. Well, They'll kind of do it, but they're going to do it a lot better if they have respect for you and they know that you have respect for them. Yeah. Like if you have a crew fixing your roof, right? It's a $20,000 job. If you buy them $20 worth of donuts, they might fix your roof $2,000 better. (laughs) Exactly. Is that a, is that a thousand percent? No, that's a hundred, hundred X return, right? Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty good return on your investment. Yeah. 
that one spot where they're having a hard time getting a caulking gun up into, they might blow it off for anybody else, but yeah, this guy bought me right. donuts. I'll fix it. I'll get it in there. See? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and of course that's not really why you do it, but I guess it's a, right. it's a, it's a secondary benefit, but it's, it's how you're supposed to treat people and it's how you're supposed to do business and it's how you're supposed to get things done. And most people in the military figure that out eventually if you're in, in the military long enough. And I think usually four years is long enough to, to see that and to figure it out. Right. And, hey, Joe, speaking of donuts, <laughs> do you edit these or are these, um, uh, you just go straight through I usually don't eat. I, I usually don't. I usually don't eat donuts. Um, I usually don't edit. <laughs> I, I usually don't edit things too much because um, I don't talk about this on the show that much. But mo- they've done a lot of studies with podcasts and everything. And like the people, the reason people really like podcasts is because it's real. Like, yeah, you can tell when you listen to a heavily edited podcast. And there's there's been podcast hosts who have done a heavily edited version, and then a raw and then version. Raw. And, yeah. and the audience votes and inevitably it's almost a hundred percent. Everyone prefers the raw stuff. So, okay. Now, I love it. Sometimes like if I have a technical issue or if the guest totally blanks out and is very embarrassed about something or whatever, right. Then I'll edit something out. Like uh, I'll tell you one time I was, I was talking to somebody, this was years ago and he was in the military and he said something about, and I used to take secret documents home. I know I wasn't supposed to, but I used to take secret documents because I really wanted to study. But I'm like, oh, stop, stop. <laughs> I went back and edited that part out. Like, you can't be That's saying funny. that, man. So, yeah. Well, the reason I asked, because I, I did interrupt you, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and yeah. go into a, a mindset exercise that I I came up with. Um, hey, before we do so that, Drew, I, I do like to put an audio break in here for, for a sponsorship break. So let's just do that real quick and we'll be right back. Okay. Take on this holiday season with the help of Navy Federal Credit Union. When you use the Navy Federal Cash Rewards Card, you can earn up to 1.75% cash back on all purchases. You can redeem your rewards as soon as you earn them. And using the Navy Federal mobile app makes redeeming easier than ever. Enjoy the rewards of cash back without any annual fee, balance transfer, or foreign transaction fees. There are no limitations on rewards, and they never expire while your account is open. Learn how you can get cheer to last all year with the Cash Rewards Card at NavyFederal.org. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA, rates are variable in range between 14.9% and 18% APR based on creditworthiness. ATM fees for cash advances are up to $1 at non-Navy Federal ATMs. Messages and data rates may apply. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Experts say that China is hoarding a massive amount of food. They will soon have over two-thirds of the globe's corn reserves, over half of its rice, and over half of its wheat. But when asked about it, China lies. One China expert says they, of course, will never admit to something like that. Well, what does China know that we don't? When it comes to the global food shortages, China is the canary in the coal mine. You see, China is the world's number one food importer. They rely on the rest of the world to keep their people fed. So they can't afford to mess up or there will be riots, civil panic, or even worse, when over a billion people can't eat. What does that mean for Americans like you and me? Two words, food shortages. That's why it's a smart idea to stock up on the kit of the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food Kits. Hand-packed in the USA, these kits are compact and stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. And their five-star reviews on the website rave about the flavor and taste. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots Survival Food by typing in the code VETERAN at checkout. Just go to 4Patriots.com and use code VETERAN to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots Survival Food. That's 4Patriots.com. Use code VETERAN. If you're a small business owner, this is for you. Running a business is just plain hard. Endless to-do lists, employees to take care of, and your ever-present bottom line. So first of all, kudos to you for staying on top of it. I want to tell you about Gusto. Gusto built an easier, more affordable way to manage payroll, benefits, and more. They help over 300,000 businesses by taking the pain out of tasks like automated payroll tax filing, direct deposit, health insurance administration, 401k, onboarding tools, you name it. Gusto makes it easy. And they really care about the small business owners they work with. Their support team is attentive and helpful. And since money can be tight right now, you'll even get three months free. Just go to gusto.com slash veteran and start setting up your business today. You'll see what I mean when I say easy. Again, that's three months of free payroll at gusto.com slash veteran. All right, back talking with uh, Army active duty veteran and current reservist, uh, Drew Haney, entrepreneur. So you're going to play some mind games with us. I just want to do a, a quick mind exercise okay? because um, we talked about donuts. So let me back up a little bit. I was driving, where was I driving? I was driving a car from Los Angeles to Kansas City a few months ago. I stopped at a gas station in rural Nevada and this bus pulls up and all these soldiers get off. And I asked them, they had a, I think, four ID patch. I asked them where they're going. They're going to NTC. Yeah. And they didn't look happy. And, and I felt really good that I wasn't going with them, <laughs> but I was standing and you know how these, these gas stations are when a, a bus of soldiers gets off or, or Marines, they completely overwhelm the gas station. Oh yeah. So, so the gas, and it was one of those big truck stops. So the, the line went from one to two people to all of a sudden 20, 30 soldiers all in the line. So I'm in the line with these soldiers yeah. and I'm standing next to a chaplain and an E4 and they're basically asking me what it was like after I got out. And I, the chaplain said something like, he said something along, along the lines of, oh, so you've, you've made it, you made the transition. And I realized it, it reminded me how much fear I had back then. There's so much fear that about getting a job when you get out, because the veterans know that they have a guaranteed income when they're in, but there's this this concern when you get out and it just reminded me that i was i was there just just a few years ago and i was i have an exercise that i want um people to do you can you can just pretend to do it or you can do it for real all right go to your local donut shop okay not the chain the franchise go to the one that's owned by mom and pop and sit in their dingy little booths the one that hasn't been remodeled in 30 years and eat their donuts and drink their really low quality coffee and just sit there for an hour and watch what happens. Okay. You're going to see customers come in and out the whole hour. And you're going to ask yourself, why, why is this business prospering? Because all they do is sell white bread covered in sugar and low quality coffee. Think about the product they're selling. Yeah. Okay. And the reason is because, they smile at every single person that comes in. They try to memorize their name. They do small talk. And, and it, it goes to show that um, 
there's no such thing as zero sum. There's no such thing as market saturation. I, I hear that a lot. A lot of people are concerned in the land flipping business that it'll eventually become saturated with too many, too many competitors. Just go to your local donut shop. It's the oldest product that's been sold for hundreds of years. And you have unsophisticated mom and pop that have been running it successfully. Are they making millions? No, they're not. But they are living off of this business that they created. It's not sophisticated. There's dingy dust in the corner. There's boxes. They have some of their inventory stacked up in the corner that there's not enough room in the fridge, right? And they're still doing it. So all the soldiers out there, enlisted and officer that are really struggling with, um, when I say soldiers, I mean service members. Sure. That are really, really struggling with with scarcity mindset, try that exercise because I think it will really give you motivation. You look at that 60-year-old tired Asian woman and you think to yourself, if she can do it, then so can I. Absolutely. I remember at one point when I was getting out, I got I left active duty and then went back and left active duty again and stayed in the reserves. I've been in and out a couple of different times, but I was in the, I was active duty for the first eight years and then I was probably only five or six years into it. And I, I vividly remember this because it's the first time it ever happened to me. I was, I think I was standing in line at the airport to check my bag in or something. And this guy in front of me, who wasn't that much older than me, said, are you in the military? And I said, yeah, and we, ch- we talked. And he had, he had been an army officer and he was out already. And he looked at me and said the same thing. He's like, by the way, don't worry about getting out. You'll be able to get a good job and, and make a good living. You don't need to worry about it. And, and I, I kind of like, it kind of like made me take a step back because I hadn't even thought about what life is going to be like right. when I get out at that point. Cause I still had, you know, two or three years to go, or I, I suppose. But I remember him saying that to me unsolicited and like, he said that for no reason. Like, right. like he had, he had been through it. He was a couple of years past it. And he just wanted to throw that out there. Like, by the way, you can get out, you'll be fine. You get a yeah. job. Don't worry about it. And I'm, that kind of stuck with me for it's, it's still here today. You know, it's like, I remember that vividly. But I also want to tell the listeners, don't have an ego and don't be afraid to take a step back in income because you may need to prove yourself to that organization that's hiring you. Right. If if you are going the W-2 route. So for me, for example, I, I left Korea as a junior captain making 120 grand a year. And then the first W-2 I got, I, my salary was 70. <laughs> so... Almost so it's like I got demoted to to like a second lieutenant, right? And it hurt, it hit my ego. But very quickly, I realized within a few months, I realized I can be running this entire floor I'm on right now. I'm well overqualified. And they either need to notice that, I either need to wait until they notice, or I need to start a side hustle so that... Um, I can do it on my own. And that's what I did is, is I started a side hustle and eventually that side hustle, you know, went past my, my W2 income and then I left. Yeah. So don't be, don't have an ego, be okay with taking a, a step back in income um, because they don't know they're taking a risk on you. They don't know what you've been through. They just know that, you know, you got free school and you might've been cold a few nights and you've been in charge of, some soldiers. So, yeah. You know, speaking of the side hustle, that's kind of how I was. Like I came to the realization that 
within the Marine Corps and outside the Marine Corps at a civilian organization. I could go get the masters. I could do this. I could do this. I could do, I'm only going to push myself a little bit farther forward inside some institution. Right. Right. There's only so much upward progression and you can only go so quick, no matter how good or how motivated you are. Right. Like I quickly came to that realization when I was younger, I had no clue about any of this. Now, after eight years of active duty and now I'm, now I'm out and I'm still in the reserves. I'm like wanting to push through things so much quicker than is going to be possible. And I'm like, well, right. Even if I go to another organization, it's going to be about the same. And that's where, ah, I'm going to go do a side hustle because no one's going to hold me back on my side hustle. And it was like a huge pressure relief for me. Like I felt free and unencumbered and I can run this thing on the side as quick as I, as quick as I am able to pull it off myself and no one's going to hold me back. That was none of that effort is wasted. Yeah. It's called ROE return on effort. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So at least as an army officer, you can work really, 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 really hard. And the, you have to wait until year 10 to see the results. And the results are you get promoted to major one year early. That's it. Yeah. So you make an extra 20 grand a year early. And that's, that's the results of like pouring out your heart and soul for 10 years versus as an entrepreneur, if I work really, really hard for six to 12 months, I will see really good results from that. And, and I mean, from a financial standpoint, um, so it's nothing is wasted when you, when you work on yourself. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember I used to play this game, Joe, it's yeah. kind of not flattering to me, but I used to compose these emails as a Lieutenant and I would wait to send them to as late as possible. So it was work. It looked like I was working late. <laughs> so that I could show my boss and, and the battalion leadership that I was working so hard. And then I would try to send emails as early as possible in the morning so they could see how early I got up. And it's silly. I, I, I was trying to play the game and I'm sure it worked, but I don't have to play that game anymore. I had a dream last night, Joe, where I was still in the military and in the dream, I went to Chick-fil-A to order breakfast and it took them an hour and a half to get me the breakfast. And the breakfast came at, at like 9 30, 10 AM. And in the dream, I remember being so concerned that my battalion commander would look down on me for being late. And then I wake up and realize, wait a second, I don't, there's nobody I could take this whole day off. Yesterday I went to the Korean spa the whole day. <laughs> so I think the grass is greener on, on the entrepreneurial side, but it is, it is more big boy rules. You, you have to push yourself and that's, that's very difficult. Yeah, I know like my first squadron that I was in, I quickly became aware of this whole, like your standard Marine Corps day was 7.30 to 16.30. You're not showing up at 7.30. Uh, You know, FODWAC goes at 7, maintenance meetings before that. And it's like, next thing you know, you're showing up at 6 a.m. And and you're not leaving at 16.30. You're you're lucky to be getting out of there at 1,800. So, and I just, I remember I like, I really had, wasn't that I didn't want to work all the time, like I was lazy, but I just didn't see the value in it. Like, like I'm not doing anything. I'm not working while I'm here early and, and late. All I'm, all I'm doing is being seen. And there is value in that. If, 
if the people you're working for, the people working for you have to be there that early and have to be there that late, then you have to be there too. But oftentimes they didn't, you know, sometimes it was just a, like as an officer, you had to just be seen. Um, even if all your folks had gone home, I remember having a really difficult time struggling that. Plus like as a pilot, you're, you're balancing flying late at night or flying early in the morning or being ready and competent to go fly in addition to leading people, um, at the ground job. So there's a lot of stuff to balance, uh, you know, being early twenties and, it was difficult and there wasn't really a manual to like help you read through it and, and get all that. Right. Keep, keeping up appearances and, you know, looking good in the ready room. And it's just, a, it's a, a whole lot of stuff to, to take on as, as somebody you know, pretty much right out of college uh, to, to figure all that out and get in, you know, some guys figure it out right away and some guys never figure it out, but it is a whole lot to, the military definitely puts a lot on you in that regard socially and, office politics. And it, I thought early on, I was, I was looking forward to going to the military because I didn't like politics and office politics and that kind of stuff. And I realized I was like getting into more of what would be office politics and almost anywhere else you could work. <laughs> yeah. 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 It doesn't go away. I, I hired, there was one time my whole team was all women in their forties and if my employees are listening to this, I absolutely love you. I can't run my life without you guys. But they're all women in their 40s. And there is some some conflict, some like cat stuff going on. And I asked one of my friends who who runs 200 employees, he runs a solar panel company, said, How do you how do you avoid that? He said, You gotta mix in the men and the women. You gotta mix them together. And then really? it uh gets rid of that, a lot of that politics. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of women that they love working with men because men are so much more low drama and, you know, and the, yeah. there's a lot of women that gravitate towards the low drama thing, but you know, there's no, not that, not that men, there ain't plenty, plenty of drama going on within men, but sometimes they're less vocal about it and maybe you don't need, maybe you don't hear about it as often, but uh, yeah, um, there was a book talking about office politics. There's, there's like, if I can remember, there's like three kinds of people. There's, there's the worker bee, the one who's going to try to work themselves to the top there. There's the politician. And then there's the, 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 the person that's critical about everything. All they do is bitch about everything all the time. And so the worker bee, everyone loves the worker bee because they get everybody's work done. Right. Nobody likes the one complaining about everything, obviously, but that's, that's the kind of person they do. And then there's the politician who just gets along with everybody. And invariably it's the politics, it's the politician type that ends up going to making it to the top because they're, they're, they're massaging everybody and everything along the way. And right. you could take that a couple of different ways, like ah, damn politicians, but really, really what it means is like, if you're a good leader, you're getting along with everybody and you don't get so consumed with only working. You, like you said, you, you could be the, the smartest guy in the room, but you still have to figure out how to put people first. Right. And it takes a while to figure that out for if you haven't experienced that before. I've heard it said that the best entrepreneurs are, are the smart, but lazy ones. So I remember I, I spent so much time as a Lieutenant trying to figure out, even in college, trying to figure out what is the least amount of work I can do to get the maximum results. So either to be perceived as an A minus performer or at worst a B minus performer, but I'm maybe I'm putting forth D C or D level effort. Right. 
And then the, and the way to make up for that is, is you build those relationships, build those bridges, buy those donuts. You're not being fake. You're, you're building bridges and it's the same in the civilian world. Yeah. And th- there's a misconception with a lot of people. And I was this way in the beginning. I felt like the harder I worked and the more technically proficient I became, the better I was going to be. Right. You have to be a certain amount of technically proficient, but I wasn't focusing enough on building bridges and relationships within my unit. I, I kind of disregarded that stuff. I'm like, well, I'm just going to be really good at all this stuff and, and, right. uh, and negate the building bridges and relationships and all that. When the reality is the more you build bridges and relationships, the better off you're going to be. Even if you, even, right. I know guys that were so technically incompetent that they might sh- maybe shouldn't have even been there but they were so good at relationships and building bridges that everyone liked him. They got to stay around. Right. The way I view it is that in my warrant officer's brain, I have access to everything he knows, right? If he doesn't like me, I can't access his brain, but if he likes me, I can make one phone call and access 30 years of experience in one phone call. Right. You bet. So if I can do that 10 other times, so I I can access the E7, the platoon sergeant's brain. I can access my company commander's brain. Then I have all these experts that surround me. And I don't actually need to know that much. And by the way, my comments earlier about trying to do the least amount of work for the most amount of results, that that is not because I want to give as little as possible. It's because I want to conserve energy so I can um, work on my side hustles at night. So I, I spend most of my active duty time, um, learning how to, I, I learned what doesn't work in terms of making money. I, I always had a side hustle. I'd wake up at 3am, 3am to day trade the New York open. Um, so that was kind of my mentality. And I do, I think this is a good segue and Joe, you're, you're familiar with this. There's a hazing process you go through as an entrepreneur, okay? And from my observations, it's about five to 10 years. You can maybe get it a a bit shorter, but there's this very frustrating season you go through where you get kicked in the nuts, you're not seeing results, and most people don't make it through that. My advice is start that, that hazing process as soon as you can. Yeah. So... So that by the time you get out, maybe you've been trying stuff for the past four years and you found what doesn't work. Then that fifth year, you, you, you hit a new level. I don't like, I don't like to talk about stuff not working because I believe any business model works, but you find what doesn't work for you. Right. So that by year five, you're, you're ready to start making some serious money. Yeah. And Really, over the years, we've learned that you know this entrepreneur thing. It's really you're learning the entrepreneurial process. People so focus so much on that that great the new, model, that great new idea, or that that right. that that little widget that's going to take them all the way to the top. It, it might be the greatest thing you've ever invented, um, but if you don't know the entrepreneurial process, it's going to fail. So, right. running through that process multiple times you start to figure out the process and then you just grab another idea and run that one through the process. Right. You can make money doing anything. I, I met a guy, um, he, he built his empire 
making signs, like fancy signs for skyscrapers, right? Or, you know, I, I flip land, I do subdivides, entitlements. And the engineering firm that I worked with, uh, they'll make 50 grand, I'll make 300. And I, I was scratching my head, how are these guys still in business? And I realized the engineering firm probably spent 10 hours of work to make that 50 grand. So it's, it's a win-win situation um, where everyone in the economy, if you're adding value, you're providing a service that people need, you can do really, really well. And the guy you're working with can do really well as, as well. Yeah. Well, some of my favorite stories, you know, they're not the, the great design product or the, the whole new weird fancy service that somebody put out. It's the simple things like mowing grass, cutting grass. Years ago, in the early days of my podcast, I can't remember his name. He was a Marine reservist up in the New York State area. Got hurt in a Humvee accident over in Iraq, not combat necessarily related, but in the combat zone. Got out of the Marine Reserves and started mowing yards. And then someone said, you know, you can get government contracts mowing yards, right? And the guy's like, really? And he went down to the SBA office and figured out how to apply for government contract. Next thing you know, he's got... He's got the government contract to mow the grass at his reserve unit that he used to be in. He's out there mowing the grass one day and some, right. w- one of his fellow Lance corporals is like, what'd you do? Piss off the first sergeant. He's like, no, man, I'm not, in the, I'm not in the Marine Corps anymore. I'm, I, I got this contract. <laughs> and the, yeah. And, and he's, he's making a thousand bucks a month yeah. to mow it once a week. He was like, he was like the state of New York, um, S- SBA veteran entrepreneur of the year. Cause next thing you know, he had like three or $4 million worth of government contracts. Yeah. Mowing grass, cutting grass. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there, there was a 19 year old, 19 year old in our neighborhood who was making 80 grand a year, just mowing by himself. He had, a, he hasn't even scaled with. Didn't with, even have uh, an employee. Yeah. Labor. Right. Yep. I, that my reserve building, actually, Joe, you know, this building, cause you worked there. The, um, the McCursion building. Yeah. Richard Gabar. That the sign is the private that won the Medal of Honor. I, I'm forget I haven't been there in six months. I forget it. But that's that metal plaque that sits on top of the building. Some some contractor got paid four grand to put that up. And that sign cost him a thousand dollars. And my my E seven, he said, Yeah, I watched that guy. It took him like 30 minutes to to put that sign up. <laughs> so for probably 90 minutes of work, this guy, he netted three grand. Yeah. Not bad, right? And he probably did it, you know, four times in a day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's not rocket science, really. I mean, like, I've got one of my, you know, one of my best friends worked for a major trucking company most of his life, but he also built houses and did, he's very handy, does great interior remodeling and stuff company finally goes out of business. He retires just recently. We're, we're down here in Florida and he's like, I'm, I'm going to go back to being a handyman, just doing remodel work. He, because he's good at what he does and he shows up and cleans up after himself every day. He's already booked and we're, we're at the end of November. He's already booked all the way through January and every job is in the same neighborhood. He didn't even have to drive around town. It's all right there in the same neighborhood because people are just, just screaming for somebody that can just do a good job for a good price and show up yeah, on just time deliver. and get it done. Yeah, they just, just do yeah, what exactly. you say. Just right? do what you say. It's, it's, it's a novel yeah. concept. Yeah, I agree. 
Great. Well, I gotta. I have to go soon. Anything yeah. else we want to talk about? Yeah, I, just I do wanna, have one more quick exercise. Yeah, let's do that, and then uh, we'll give you the last word and close it out. Okay. So this next one is not from me. I, I heard it at a conference. It's to dispel the myth of zero-sum game, the idea that there's one pie and it has to get chopped up, and if you fight for a bigger slice, that means somebody else gets less. Uh, so that's completely false, and here's a good exercise to, to prove it. So imagine you have this remote island. It's a hunter-gatherer society. There's 10 families, 10 husbands, 10 wives, a bunch of kids, and every day the... 10 husbands go out to go fishing, right? And they're fishing with traditional, not traditional, they're fishing with, with fishing pole and, and fishing line. So they can catch one fish at a time. They do that every day. Then one day, one of the wives says, hey, husband, I made you this thing I call a net. I, I just weaved it. Can you try to catch fish with this? So he goes out the next day. He catches 10 times more fish, Right. So now we have a problem. Now he can sell his fish for 10 times less. And we have 90% unemployment in this village. That's a problem, right? Yeah. But it's only a temporary problem because what's going to happen is one of the unemployed guys will say, you know what? I, I really like planting vegetables and I think I can scale this. Another guy says, you know what? I can breed sheep and I can, I can sell sheep wool. Another guy says, you know what? I, I like building bigger and better more efficient huts, right? Yeah. And before you know it, everyone is, is adding value to this economy. Everything is becoming more efficient and the pie is not getting divided up. The pie is growing as a whole, right? And it just goes to show that, because a lot of people are scared with this AI revolution, it's going to wipe out certain jobs. Even if somebody's job is wiped out, with AI, they're going to find some other way to add value to the economy and the economy is going to get more and more efficient. So it is very, very difficult, if not impossible, to become a top tier performer by being a pessimist. It's almost impossible. Think about, think about all these doom, doomsday guys that you know that are preppers. Do you know any of them that are like super wealthy? None of them because they're, they're pessimists at heart. Yeah. So I have, I have guns, I have ammo, you know, I, I'm pretty well prepared, but you cannot prosper if you think the world is ending. Right. So yeah, that's, okay. I want to leave your audience with that exercise. Um, and it's, it's done a lot of help for me. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Um, I'll just give you the last word. I mean, we can end on that. Or if you got one more thing, just, you know, if you're talking to somebody that's in the military or on their way out, or maybe they just recently got out and they're not, not real happy with where they landed, looking to get into business for themselves, this entrepreneurship game, what kind of advice comes to mind? Yeah, just try stuff um, for cheap. Don't, don't spend all your life savings on, on one thing. Again, I believe any, any business model works if you put enough effort into it. We do have a coaching program at Land Maverick Society. Um, it's a co-brand that I own. And my business partner, Jaron, does coaching. He is the most affordable one-on-one -on -one coach in the business. The price that he charges is typically the same price that you pay for group coaching. So if you do 
um, want to check that out, you can go to landmavericks.com. Let me just make sure I'm telling you guys the right. Um, yeah, it's landmavericks.com. Okay. Uh, mention my name and you'll get s- some special treatment. I just lost the Zoom. There we go. But other than that, I I would just recommend to stay positive, keep trying stuff. Um, don't be afraid to pay for some education. You're either going to pay in time and mistakes, or you're going to you're going to pay in education and and save that time. I've spent close to hundred grand actually with day trading education. I've spent over hundred grand uh, in for profit educators to teach me what I know now. So don't be afraid to spend some money on that and um, accelerate your learning curve. Awesome. Well, hey, Drew, thanks for uh, sharing your entrepreneurial success story. Good talking with you and uh, look forward to seeing your future success. Yes, sir. Thanks, Joe. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.